Good afternoon, everybody. This is Omar Serrato with the Tilted Lawyer Podcast, joined by Ileana Clone Rosa. And just a warning at the very top of the show, uh, this show is going to be a little difficult to get through and involves some very sensitive uh, subject matter. Um, it's an emotionally charged case. So if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, uh, just use your discretion if you want to continue through. Um, otherwise, we are talking about the Letitia Stouch a trial that is in progress as we speak. She has been accused of murdering um, her stepson in a case in which she has pled uh, not guilty by reason of insanity, meaning that she has to essentially prove that she didn't know the difference between right and wrong when she committed the murders. There's not a question of whether or not she committed the murders. It's simply a question of whether or not she was insane when she did it. And we're going to go through some of the uh, details we're going to go through the 32-page arrest affidavit. We're going to talk about what might be the worst opening statement I've ever heard um, in any phase of my career, either as an attorney, uh, an attorney or as a layperson. Uh, but we have a lot packed into the show today, and so let's get started. What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Ileana Clone Rosa and the TLP crew, where we break down the human aspects of law that everybody wants to talk about. I've been a practicing attorney for many years, but nothing in this show is or should be taken as legal advice. We're not going to pull any punches. We might even get a little bit dirty, but we want you to join us anyway. Well, that was a relaxing intro for what we got to talk about yes. today. So, Letitia Stouch, just some background on the case. She, um, well, I didn't know anything about this case mm -hmm. until I, it crept onto my radar when I heard uh, what was the worst opening statement I've ever heard um, as a practicing attorney, as somebody that has watched trials all my life. Um, he's taken a lot of flack for his poor performance in the opening statement. We're going to listen to some of the highlights of what he had to say, but Eliana, it's like this. <laughs> we talked a lot about on the show about what you would do. What do you do in the case where your client is obviously guilty? And it's the, imagine the worst fact pattern you could possibly imagine. And now it belongs to your client. And you are charged with representing this person in a trial to argue guilt or innocence in this mm -hmm. case. Well, yeah, my client obviously did all of these things, but she mm -hmm. was insane. That's what he's forced to argue. And then we've talked many times about how you would approach that case, and I've given my thoughts about how I would do it. Mm -hmm. You've given yours, and you would you basically said, oh, well, you're screwed. <laughs> you should probably be in jail, which is a fair point. And I think that a lot of people wanted his, expected his defense attorneys yeah. to kind of say that. But what do you expect him to say? The guy... Mm -hmm is, uh, I mean, he's doing his best. I have sympathy for him. I'm not going to go full on in because, look, give the guy some better mm -hmm. facts and a better client, mm -hmm. and I bet you he could yeah. probably do okay. He has all the hallmarks of a trial attorney. I'm not going to say that he's a bad attorney. I'm just saying he's taken a lot of, a, a lot of crap over the mm -hmm. internet for his performance in the opening statement. And when you start to read some of the facts, I think you're going to start to understand why. But mm -hmm. just right off the bat, before I even get started, Eliana, this is your client, okay? Mm -hmm. She is a 40-ish, um, late 30s uh, mm -hmm. woman, married um, in a blended family. Mm -hmm. uh, her husband was away um, on military duty. He is a member of the National Guard. Mm 
Um, she had volunteered and was charged by virtue of her marriage to this man mm-hmm. uh, to watch her, her stepson, Connor. And in the course of the three days that he was gone, young Connor, um, well, she murdered him. Mm-hmm. There's not a question of whether or not she murdered him. The facts are as grisly as you could possibly imagine. Um, and we're going to go over some of those facts. Mm-hmm. But just for starters, uh, she uh, bludgeoned him to death, causing his head, his skull, mm-hmm. uh, to fracture as if it was an eggshell. Um, and then proceeded uh, to stab him multiple times mm-hmm. and then shot him a few times on top of all of that, stuffed his body into a suitcase and left him for dead underneath the overpass um, there's no question as to whether or not your client did it. The only question is whether or not she was a sane person when she did it. That is a viable defense in the state of yeah. Colorado where the state, uh, where, where the, this trial is being held. Um, so that's your trial. Um, opening statements today. Oh, God. No. Go. <laughs> what do you possibly say? How do you defend her? What do you do? Of course, acknowledge that's this was a horrible crime. You can't just put a blindfold and I guess try to defend this person. But um, I mean, not knowing all of the facts of the case, I would say that her best chances, of course, probably the reason uh, insanity, self-defense, I don't know the facts. I don't know what happened, but I don't know. It's pretty Your facts hard. are pretty bad. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> just right off the bat. There's not much redeeming in the facts. She allegedly, not, not, none of this is alleged, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I use that word very loosely. Mm-hmm. When she first reported young Connor mm-hmm. missing, she tried to come up with a story that, oh, I was raped. A Mexican raped me and held me at gunpoint and took mm-hmm. Connor. And so there was this big question about whether or not Connor was even alive. There were pretext uh, phone calls between husband and her mm-hmm. where she changed her story multiple times. Okay. Um, and then inevitably, in a fit of hysteria, decided that, um, I need immunity. He's dead, but I'm not going to say anything unless I have immunity. There's literally <laughs> that, that conversation between her and her husband. Yeah. We're going to listen to some of that. Um Look, there's nothing redeeming about your client. She's yeah. not likable. She's not attractive. You can't even give her that. She's not, um, she she doesn't have a moral compass that you could speak of. The, the mm-hmm. Google searches on her PC the day the murders were committed uh, suggested that she was looking for other people to, um, other men okay. who were in the military that didn't have children. And she had done multiple Google searches about her um, being the primary caretaker of her son and talking negatively about the biological mother. Mm-hmm. And um, I wonder if she's going to send me a Valentine's Day card for watching her kid, that kind of stuff. She's despicable in every angle mm-hmm. you could possibly imagine. This is your client. Represent her. I'm the juror. I'm ready. Give me your opening statement. That's why I don't do defense criminal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have more... My mind is more on the prosecutor's mm-hmm. side. You're totally a prosecutor. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm not on the defense side, definitely. Because I wouldn't know how this... I mean, other like what I said, which is, of course, acknowledge the fact and try to plead to insanity. I don't... I don't well, know. I did. Okay, so, so let's talk about insanity. 
What insanity means is that you, at the time mm-hmm. of committing the offense, were so deficient mentally mm-hmm. that you lacked the capacity to know the difference from right or wrong. Mm-hmm. The problem that you have with that mm-hmm. is prior to the murders being committed, mm-hmm. and shortly thereafter, she is actively engaged in covering up what yes. she did. Exactly. Understanding fully, and her story was, I thought he was a demon. I've heard mm-hmm. that very of advanced. Yet, if you were to really kill a demon and it was some horror flick on Shudder or what mm-hmm. have you, if you successfully slayed the demon, you would, mm-hmm. um, in triumph, triumphantly hold up your hands in victory as if I have slayed the demon mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be this thing that you were hiding. So it doesn't really fit. No. Not even the Hollywood narrative. Mm-hmm. So what do you have? You have a woman who really disliked the fact that she had stepchildren. Mm-hmm. She was very jealous of the biological mother, from what I gather from okay. the Google searches. How do I know that? Because she was Googling, how do I get my husband to pay more attention to me? Oh. Negative stuff about biological mom. We'll go over some of the Google searches as well. Um, she was very insecure. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she was fond of Connor. Mm-hmm. She took a video of her manipulating... <sighs> This is going to be a hard one. Mm-hmm. She took a video of um, her manipulating Connor. He had some kind of an accident. I don't know what he okay. did. He burned the carpet or something. And um, she was saying, oh, no, I don't know what we're going to do. They were renting a house at the time. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to tell the landlady uh, something. She's going to want to kick us out of the house. What do you think that we should sell? The child literally has burns on his arms, and he's, like, crying in his mm-hmm. little kid voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just concerned about my burns. Mm -hmm. And she's just, you know, carrying on with whatever it was that she was doing, playing her role as the wicked stepmother. Literally, that's what she was. Yes, the wicked stepmother, yeah. Oh, she's this this case is going to piss you off to no Mm -hmm. end. Um, Again, flew completely under my radar. I didn't know anything about this case until I saw that guy's opening statement. I'm Mm -hmm. reading into it. I'm watching him do his thing as I'm writing a brief. I'm like, what in the hell was that? What was that? You know? And then I started getting more into this case and yeah. it gripped my attention. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why we're talking about it. But <clears throat> oh I think we should, um, I have in my hands mm-hmm. a 32 page arrest affidavit okay. that I was going to go through that was part of law enforcement's um, secure securing of a warrant to arrest this lady mm-hmm. and I'm going to go through some of the specifics. So the Stouch family um, was a blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, they consisted of a dad, Eugene, or they called him Al Stouch. Mm-hmm. Stepmom, Leticia. She has a daughter, Harley Hunt. She was 17 years old at the time. Um, Al's son, I call him Al, his name is Eugene. Mm-hmm. Gannon Stouch was 11 years old. And then... Um, Leticia's daughter, uh, Laina Stouch. She was eight years old. Um, they were, um, well, Leticia was born in 1983. Mm-hmm. That would put her at, um, she was the last person known to see uh, Gannon Stouch. She was born in mm-hmm. 2008, alive. Uh, she was Gannon's stepmother and was Gannon's only adult supervision in the days preceding on the day of his murder. 
Um, at the time of Gannon's murder, Leticia was employed by the school district as an assistant teacher. Imagine no. that. Um, but she was no longer employed at the time of the writing of this affidavit. Um, she had a prior record, as a matter of fact. Uh, she had a prior criminal history. <coughs> she was convicted uh, after a trial, no less, mm-hmm. uh, for communicating threats, a misdemeanor in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't able to locate her sentencing information. She was also convicted of unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. Not, not really yeah, a big no. deal. Um, she was, uh, although not criminal in nature, uh, they were able to locate a document memorializing the suspicion of her uh, teaching certificate on or about May 11th of 2016. As part of that document, it was reported that she had filed unsubstantiated claims of harassment and retaliation. Hmm. And that's going to make a lot more sense. This lady, Leticia, um, classic, classic um, narcissist. Narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> narcissistic behavior. I know that word gets thrown around. Oh, yeah. A lot. All the time, but... But the, the baseline <laughs> mm-hmm. definition of that is somebody that is 100% constantly at the center of their own mm-hmm. universe to the point where uh, they have these grandiose thoughts of their value to the earth, their place in the universe, mm-hmm. and um, their disregard for the needs of others. <coughs> But let's uh, let's get into this a little bit. So, Mr. Stouch, mm-hmm. back in uh, July of uh, 2020, he was uh, deployed uh, with the National Guard during the dates of January 25th, 2020, to January 28th. Three days, man. I know. Watch it's my funny. kid for three days. You have stepchildren, correct? Yeah. Um, my wife has stepchildren. Mm-hmm. It's um, most of the time. I mean, we we deal in family law. Mm-hmm. A large portion of your practice yeah. is family law. A large portion of my practice is family law. And we deal with step-parents all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that 99% of the time, um, the person that is charged with their role is 100% invested and, mm-hmm. you know, just great. Yes. Um, perfect uh, supplemental parents mm-hmm. for their blended families. And, you know, they carry on and everything's great. Mm-hmm. But in this case, if you're dealing with not somebody that, okay, one of your clients said, oh, he's a narcissist. He's totally, and they're just mm-hmm. like, everybody says that, right? Yeah. She was legitimately narcissistic, and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, get a, you'll get a feel for that as we listen to some of the if conversation. Any, if anything, I get <coughs> the opposing parent to be the narcissist, but then the new partner usually tends to be pretty reasonable and open to receiving that child into their blended family. Um, you're confused. Interesting, that <laughs> dynamic. Okay. Yes. So I have, I have had a lot of cases like that. <laughs> it's funny, that dynamic, because yes. sometimes you'll get this guy mm-hmm. or girl where they're, I don't know, maybe they think they, they leveled up. Mm-hmm. They're divorced from their ex, and now they got somebody whom they deem is of higher value, mm-hmm. and they make a lot of concessions mm-hmm. for that step parents yes or current spouse their mm-hmm. second spouse whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it and um is that the case for the i don't know if you've seen a picture of her she's not no i have substantially not. attractive mm-hmm. she's not attractive at all mm-hmm. she's very annoying mm-hmm. um the biological mother i don't i don't know if that was the case here i just know that 
No, probably not. I mean, it's the complete opposite because she's the stepmom. She's the narcissist one. The, the scene that I see a lot is the complete opposite. The parent being the narcissist, the new partner being the very reasonable person open to receiving oh, the child. Oh, I see. Which tends to help. It's funny rather- you mention that because I've seen it kind of go the other way. Mm-hmm. Where, well, in the cases, well, I'm not, I don't want to say in all my kids. I've been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. But in the cases I've had most recently, it's um, the, uh, the, the parent, the biological mm-hmm. parent has leveled up. They've yes. gotten somebody substantially more yes. attractive or um, who named demons of a much higher value. Mm-hmm. And they make all of these concessions yes. and they allow yes. themselves to get bossed around. And yes. I'm looking at them like, why would you allow your children to, you know, and in That's this true. case, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, just being a participant in a dynamic like mm-hmm. that. My wife is great. Mm-hmm. She's always been 100% great and there's mm-hmm. never been any issue. But if there was, if there was any hint of like exactly. child abuse or my daughter was to say this or that about mm-hmm. her, about her doing something like off kilter, um, there would have not been any question about, you know, where that would have ended up. Exactly. Um, matter, I mean, I'm not going to get too personal with it, but that's a, <laughs> that's a, you know, I feel like that would be the, the status quo of mm-hmm. any parent that's in, the, in that position. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult for the step parents to kind of step into that. Yes. They're stepping into this blended family. And um, they're taking on these responsibilities mm-hmm. that they have. They don't have any, you know, they don't have to do they what they're doing. They don't have to if they, if they don't yeah. want to. Yeah. And it's funny because you, you look at the Google searches of Leticia mm-hmm. and she's talking about um, she's actively looking for men while she's married, by the way. Mm-hmm. Men that don't have uh, children. Military men without children, even though she had two children herself. I know, like she has children. She's <laughs> definitely looking for the money. <laughs> well, I don't know what she's looking for, but she's not looking for people with children. That's what I know. Yes. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic to begin with. Mm-hmm. But this guy is out doing service duty mm-hmm. and he is um, leaving her, mm-hmm. thinking his son's going to be safe. What's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Well, there's an answer to that question. Was... This the first time that he was left alone with her, or that part is questionable. Mm-hmm. Now I haven't done a ton of research okay. into this case. Mm-hmm. I know what's in the arrest affidavit, mm-hmm. and I know the conversations that they had going back and forth mm-hmm. um, that was presented <coughs> that was presented at trial. Okay. Um, what I don't know is if there was any indication mm-hmm. that there was abuse going on between mm-hmm. stepmom and young Connor. Prior to this, mm-hmm. if you ask my opinion, mm-hmm. abuse to that level, to what you, to what happened in this case, mm-hmm. it's hard to fathom that there wouldn't have been any red signs, yeah. red flags, some indication, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't know how I phrased it. And I don't know the disposition of this guy. Um, I, I could tell you this. Yeah. I'll tell you this. He had significantly more patience than I would have had with her. No, definitely. In similar circumstances. Yes. You're going to see what I mean. <laughs> okay. In the pre-contest calls. I don't know how he kept his cool, but if that was him keeping his cool as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, what he really wanted to say, then kudos to that guy. Five stars. Mm-hmm. Five stars. Because my response is, I don't know, man. It's hard to put myself in those shoes. I don't want to say that, oh, I would have done this and that. I would have been the big hero. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying I'm not sure I would have been as cool as that guy Mm -hmm. was in the moment. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting. (coughs) I mean, without seeing the uh, communications, 
I can just say that any parent in that situation wouldn't be cool at all. Like knowing about something might have happened to the children and the other party is not responding or like. Imagine it. Okay. Ileana, imagine. <laughs> okay. Let's just pretend. Okay. Let's just pretend this is your child. Mm-hmm. Right. You have an 11 year old mm-hmm. and you have like stepdad. Mm-hmm. You took off on, I don't know. Uh, you went to a bar association meeting for whatever reason. I don't know. You're playing politics or trying to be a judge. <laughs> whatever you were um you left your child mm-hmm. with a stepdad for a few days mm-hmm. and then he winds up missing how patient would you be with stepdad Ooh, and stepdad's like i don't know what happened to your kid i got raped that's literally the first response and they, oh i wasn't raped it was uh I, I just uh maybe he ran away because i took away his nintendo switch what would be your disposition towards this towards this guy Absolutely no patience. I would have called the police probably. Oh, the police were already involved. Let's just, let's pretend, let's pretend that the police are already involved. They're already active investigation Mm -hmm. and you actively suspect that this guy did something Mm -hmm. to your child. How do you approach him? I guess it depends a lot how much he knew her. Like, you know, some people, they get closed (coughs) off or they don't uh, tell you stuff if you are too aggressive. Yeah. Um, Maybe he knew that if he came up in another way that she wasn't going to give him information. But still, I mean, in the inside, I don't, I mean, I've been in, not in similar situations, but in situations where I'm like, what is going on even with my stepchildren? And I don't have patience. I want to know that they're safe. Like, (laughs) I could tell you this in my, if anything happened to Mm -hmm. my child, either of them. Mm -hmm. And I suspected I was talking to the person that was responsible. Mm -hmm. I'm just not very confident that I would be a sane person in that Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. I don't think I'll be able to keep it together long enough Mm -hmm. to do the big interrogation that gets the Perry Mason moment Mm -hmm. to get her to confess that she murdered my child. That would take a level of self-control that I'm not sure if I have. How many days did it go like with them talking like that and trying to figure out where the shell was. Unclear, but what's what is very clear, mm-hmm. and you're going to see in this rest affidavit that um, she changed her story like multiple times. It's very obvious early on mm-hmm. that she was a freaking liar, yeah, and that she was obviously responsible for this. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the pre-context phone calls between her mm-hmm. and um, her husband, he knows that mm-hmm. she was responsible, and he's trying yeah. to play along. He's playing the role of police interrogator yes. in this case. Mm-hmm. And he did, a, he did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. He got her to the point where she was screaming for, I need immunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wanted him. He's like, immunity, my immunity for what? I You're know. going shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, I couldn't oh even God. imagine. But um, you know what? I forgot we were going through this police affidavit. Yes. Let's, uh, let's, let us continue. Don't let me get off track like that ever okay. again. <laughs> All right. So um, so he was deployed on his, uh, he was a tour of duty. He's gone for a few days. Mm-hmm. So January 27th, this okay. is the date, the fateful date, um, at or about uh, 1855 hours or 655 p.m., Leticia reported that Gannon was missing. She calls 911. Um, and on that call, she was instructed to call the El Paso County uh, non emergent line she does and then she states that Gannon was supposed to be home at approximately an hour ago uh, she was unable to locate him he went to a friend's house um, she starts changing her stories almost immediately so mm-hmm. um, investigators they did not believe that Leticia went to any so she makes this up she makes up a story where mm-hmm. 
I don't know where Gannon is. I went to neighboring houses. I went to the houses around mm-hmm. the neighborhood to see where he's at. I tried to go to his friend's house. And then, they, oh, okay, so where did you go? And she didn't know mm-hmm. where she went. She didn't know the names. Uh, investigators do not believe that Letitia went to any neighboring houses to attempt to locate Gannon um, and was one of many lies told by Letitia during the investigation. Letitia was unable to provide the actual location of the homes she went to, the names of Gannon's friends he was supposed to be playing with, or the names of the parents of Gannon's friends. And so she was carrying on this way, obviously trying to cover something up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut the mystery right now. There's no chance she's going to be found not guilty by reason of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to jail for the... Re- I don't know if the death penalty is at play here. I don't know. But if there is, mm-hmm. um, I would like to invent a method of death in this case. <laughs> If I can, if I may submit yeah. some suggestions, I don't want it to be the electric chair. Mm-hmm. The I injection. don't want it to be lethal injection. I don't want it to be the gas chamber. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could like modify the electric chair to, um, you know, have just enough volts where after a, an hour and a half, she will pass away. I'm sure you're not the only one that wants to. Oh, I have ideas. <laughs> I have ideas. We could get medieval with it. Yeah. Oh. Um. I went to medieval times and they have this museum about medieval tortures. I have several in mind that I would gladly subject her to. Um, Let me get off of that rant. Mm -hmm. Um, (coughs) This is what Letitia actually claimed. She actually claimed uh, that she had, she last saw uh, Gannon on January 27th Mm -hmm. when he left the residence to play with his friends somewhere around uh, 3 15 PM. And based on the facts outlined below, um, and her statement to EPSO, Letitia is obviously the last person to see him alive. She admitted that in the 911 call. She lied to investigators on multiple occasions, has explained she has unexplained abnormal behavior, such as she bought a rental car for some reason. Bought a rental car? Well, rented a rental oh, car. Oh, rented. Okay. <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> uh, she disconnected her cell phone. Uh, from the cellular mm-hmm. network for an extended period of time when she was determined to be on her phone, on her phone normally like mm-hmm. all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. She was a heavy, heavy social media person. Okay. Right. Um, there was a false reporting of an alleged rape. She literally said that there was a Mexican that broke into her house um, that raped her and held her at gunpoint and took Gannon. Well, then she changed that story, right? And that's a bold move if you're going to say it. Yeah. If you're going to say something like that, why would you change a story? Mm-hmm. Like, no, there was a guy and he raped me and he held me at gunpoint. I don't know where he went. But then, like, she says, oh, actually, it wasn't a, you know. Why would you even change a story to that? Yeah. But she did. But she clearly did. Um, there was abnormal patterns of travel, mm-hmm. a continuously evolving story uh, with material changes in facts and circumstances and has since uh, left the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. <coughs> she left the state of Colorado. Um, so, getting into the murder of Gannon. Mm-hmm. This is going to be, this is the difficult part. Okay. This was a sweet young boy. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, gosh, man. Just Love imagine him. a regular 11-year-old mm-hmm. yeah. into his video games. Mm-hmm. He was just about to discover girls. Mm-hmm. You know, he probably yeah. had a couple of crushes in the sixth grade. <laughs> Um, he was a sweet young boy. Mm-hmm. You know, he had not hit puberty. You're going to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the prosecutor's opening statement, it just sounded like he was a prepubescent, yeah. uh, preteen, um, and really into the Legend of Zelda. Oh. He was, um, 
he was a sweet kid, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying <coughs> to acclimate himself mm-hmm. to his stepmom. And um, she works for a school. She was an assistant teacher of sorts. Okay. So he probably had a lot of respect for her. Yeah. Dad had enough, um, liked her enough to marry her. Mm-hmm. And he's being told that this is stepmom and you respect your stepmom. Mm-hmm. And the way that she talked to him, the way that she manipulated him, the way that she gaslighted him, and what she ultimately did with him <clears throat> is um, <clears throat> it, it's, uh, it's worthy mm-hmm. of my suggestion for the method of death penalty that we should mm-hmm. administer to Leticia. <laughs> but I'm going to get into some of the stuff in the arrest <clears throat> affidavit. I didn't know, I don't know if you mentioned it before, but how long were they married for? That I don't know. No? I, I don't know how long they were married, but they were right. married long enough where he's leaving her uh, to watch by herself her his 11-year-old son. Well, I've seen people do that. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting them in two weeks. And I'm aware. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware. No, I asked because uh, I'm just trying to see, like, was this like a new relationship or a long-standing relationship between the stepmother and the stepson? Or, like, how much time did that actually had to see the red flags if any or if that's a great question thrown there like oh you take care of him without really knowing if this person's gonna it's the same question that i have okay my question has always been with this case since i've mm-hmm. gotten a hold of it since monday or mm-hmm. whenever i heard the opening statements tuesday um how much did he really mm-hmm. know what was going on with his son yeah i'll tell you what if my daughter mm-hmm. came to me I'm a girl dad, by the way. Mm-hmm. I have all daughters. <laughs> if if one of my daughters came to me and said that whoever mm-hmm. uh, did something, then I would stick them in a room with me and we would have an independent, private mm-hmm. in- interrogation. Exactly. Omar style, you know? <laughs> Whatever that would entail. Mm-hmm. But I would get to the bottom of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't know that this guy was privy to any of this stuff. Yeah. I know that he was privy to it after the fact because he was talking about it that mm-hmm. way. But what he actually knew mm-hmm. is hard to say. And you know what's more is I'm not even sure if there was enough red flags there mm-hmm. leading up to the murder that would have tipped anybody off. I don't know if there was a history of abuse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was any allegations to CPS. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this boy had ever gone to his dad and said, hey, my stepmom was doing this or that. I don't know any of those questions. And so it begs the question, there was, an, there was certainly an escalation of sorts. Yes. She was really pissed off about mm-hmm. with him because he had burned the carpet. And um, I don't know. She was, she, was, uh, she was really upset about that. She took pictures of him the morning that she committed the murders, sleeping in her, his bed. Okay. That's Significant. Great. Why don't we bring that up? Because... They found those pictures. They sent. They found those same blankets in the suitcase where he was stuffed when they found his corpse. Oh, and so you know, but it's um, it, it's hard to get through. Let, let me continue before yeah. I get too carried away. Um, so this is what happened. It's a young Gannon Stouch. Is Gannon Connor or Connor? No, um, his name is Gannon. It's, Did okay. I call him Connor? Yeah, a couple of times. That, that was I, what I, was like, say, I meant to say Gannon. Okay, Gannon. Okay. I blame my, my eyesight. I might have yeah. saw Connor. His name is Gannon. Gannon, okay. Um, so investigators <coughs> believe uh, that Gannon was murdered by Leticia Stouch mm-hmm. in the afternoon hours of January 27th of 2020. 
at his residence, and more specifically in his bedroom. Physical evidence recovered from the residence and inside Gannon's bedroom supports that a violent event occurred in, the, in his bedroom, which caused bloodshed, including blood spatter on the walls, mm-hmm. and enough blood loss to stain his mattress and soak through to the carpet, the carpet pad, and stain the concrete below his bed. And they had some photographs of that in this. <clears throat> now, based on the evidence recovered from the residence, Gannon's remains were eventually brought through the house into the garage, likely loaded into the back of Leticia's Volkswagen car. After cleaning the murder scene, Leticia l- utilized uh, the, her vehicle to transport and dump Gannon's remains on the evening of January 28th of 2020. Leticia likely di- disposed of his remains off of Highway 105 South off of Perry Park Road in Douglas County, Colorado. And indeed, the Metro Crime Lab determined that the blood discovered in Gannon's bedroom, the Stouch's garage, and blood on a piece of particle board located located off of Highway 105 South, Perry Park Road, all matched his DNA profile. And so he was brutally murdered. Um, I think that we should uh, go into... uh, his body was not recovered? Oh, they recovered it. Oh, okay. They recovered it. They found it where, exactly where they said, mm-hmm. off the underpass, yeah. um, in a suitcase. And there was in witness testimony as to that as about what they found. And it was this... I'm not going to play that on this show yeah. because I only got so much time. Uh, but no, they uh, re- recovered his remains okay. in the suitcase. And there was this whole story about how it happened. Like, came about the suitcase and there was a foul odor coming back mm-hmm. from it. And then we opened up the suitcase and... Jesus Christ, with the smell, we had to jump back, and then we immediately determined, well, obviously, that's a, that, that is a dead mm-hmm. body there. They couldn't tell if it was female or male. They just saw the first thing that they saw were there these little football socks that he was wearing. Mm. Um, and uh, that's that's how they found the remains. But no, it was some horrific testimony uh, that, what, that occurred. But I wanted to take you, um, if I can, uh, to... Um, the prosecutor describes... What happened again? And mm-hmm. for he gave like a twenty-five minute opening statement. We're going to listen to about ten minutes of it, right. and you're going to describe the events of what happened, what he believed happened, and, mm-hmm. and what. First is Gannon Jacob Stout, an eleven-year-old little boy, came into this world premature, weighing just one pound six ounces. He proved to be a fighter, overcame the difficulties associated with being born so small. He survived by his mother, Landon Hyatt, his father, Al Stouck, and his precocious little sister, Waylon. On January 26, 2020, something bad happened inside the Stout family home. Gannon suffered some burns. You'll learn this from a video recording this defendant made that night, January 26th. You'll hear her as she manipulated Gannon, putting guilt on him for some mistake that the child made. And in that recording, you'll hear Gannon say in his own words, I'm just worried about my burns. Two, I just don't know what to Just initial thoughts of the prosecutor. I do this. And that prosecutor has the charisma of a newt. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> it's not needed in this case. Ignore that. But this guy, it bothers me that he's not more dynamic. Mm-hmm. But let's carry on. Um, this is the recording. What he's about to play for you is a recording that she made uh, the day before the murders were Why recorded. Why is she recording? Your guess is as good as mine. 
And <laughs> criminals are not often uh, the most intelligent. No, so I know. let's continue. Dude. Well, devastating. Initially, Scott, I can't lie when the TMZ information. Gannon, I promise this is the last time I'm going to ask you. I'm just freaked out, okay? Are you sure you didn't do it on purpose? Okay, you promise. You promise. Pinky promise. Okay, all right. So, listen. Listen. We're, all right, I'm, we're going to have to sell stuff to fix it, okay? Okay. So we figure out what we got to sell. We can sell the sofa. We can sell whatever because we got to get it fixed. So, lady, don't be mad at us and kick us out of the house. Okay. You got it? You got it? I'm just worried about my friend. Okay. Shh. Listen, 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 listen. So, tomorrow. The other person in this case is that last voice you just heard who said so tomorrow. This lady sitting right here, the defendant. January 26, 2020, into January 27, 2020, she was the sole provider for Gannon. Her husband, Al Stout, Gannon's father, serves in the National Guard. He was in Oklahoma for National Guard training, left that Saturday night, the 25th. Everything that happened to Gannon from that point forward was her decision. She carried out actions to kill Gannon to put his body in the suitcase and hide it, to hide evidence of what she did to Gannon. Tell numerous stories to investigators to manipulate the course of the investigation. And finally, to discard Gannon inside that suitcase off of a Florida bridge by garbage. January 27, 2020, Gannon's home, located at 6627 Mandan Drive, here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, turned into the stuff of nightmares. In fact, the one place a little boy like Gannon should have felt the safest, his bedroom, turned <coughs> into, like I said, the stuff of nightmares. That bedroom is, in fact, where he was brutally murdered. The defendant attacked him viciously, mercilessly, deliberately, and intentionally. These are exhibits that you'll see from the doctor down in Florida, Dr. Ignacio, when she performed the autopsy. He'll tell you that Gannon suffered 18 stab wounds to his body, his chest, his back, his head, and most importantly, his arms and his hands. Why is that important? Gannon was fighting for his life, and those were defensive wounds. Next came a crushing blow to his head that was so strong, it fractured his skull like an eggshell. That wasn't enough for this defendant retrieved a nine millimeter handgun, fired it again in three times. Two bullets struck the pillow near him and were caught in the fibers of that pillow. That third bullet entered his jaw, traveled through his head, fracturing his uh, mandible, his vertebrae, hitting his spinal cord and lodged in the back of his head and was recovered as autopsy. Gannon's life drained from his body, drop by drop. The photo that's on the screen right now is a picture of his bedroom. Same corner where he was in that picture or where you'll see him in a picture in the bed. Each one of those markers signifies a small blood drop that splattered across his wall. 
It ran down the corner of his mattress. Soaked through the carpet, the carpet padding, and puddled on the concrete uh, foundation below that carpet. The defendant then took very deliberate action. She decided to hide her crimes from the world. And she took action to hide those crimes from the world. She collected Gannon's bloody and broken body and the blankets and pillow that were near him and shoved them into a suitcase and hid them in the storage unit in that basement. That basement storage unit is right around the corner from Gannon's bedroom. What she didn't know is that she was leaving clues behind in that storage room. That plastic tub that you see in the bottom left portion of that picture has Gannon's blood on it. There was an Amazon box in that storage room that has Gannon's blood on it. The concrete floor in that storage room had Gannon's blood on it. The defendant next decided to clean Gannon's room. Deliberately, intentionally, knowing what she was doing. She scrubbed the walls, cleaning them off. She scrubbed the carpet with straw brushes that were later found in the dishwasher. All right, so the, the prosecutor is describing, well, what he's trying to do is just point out that, hey, if uh, the definition of insanity is not knowing the difference between right and wrong, mm -hmm. she's over here actively scrubbing the crime scene and trying to hide what she did. Exactly. Um, that's why he's taking the time to go through that. There's not a question about whether or not she committed the murders, but that's what happened to that young boy. And imagine how impactful, impactful that is for the jury to hear um, young Gannon's voice um, just talking about she's over here carrying on about a carpet and the landlady or something and then she says that I'm just concerned about my burns and putting the blame not putting the blame putting the pressure on him as to what needs to be sold to fix the issue like we're going to sell the couch we're going to sell the we're going to sell the TV we're going to sell your Nintendo like, Switch it's his problem like no that's not something that a child at that age should be thinking about or worrying about, um, especially if he's just injured. Like, this lady has issues. And what points was she scoring with all of that? Like, what was she doing? I mean, very clearly, very clearly she had uh, opinions about um, her having to watch Gannon mm -hmm. by herself. Um, matter of fact, the girl was not with them. The her daughters, no, no, no. On that day, so on the day of, on the day of, uh, he was homesick. With he had a stomach flu or mm -hmm. some kind of stomach bug. Okay. And she was on Google researching whether or not it was okay to leave him by himself, um, which I kind of wish that she did. Mm -hmm. But she stayed home with him that day because uh, he had a stomach flu. And was caring for him, I guess, mm -hmm. until she murdered him. But her daughter, her eldest, was out at work, and her youngest would have been at school. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was just uh, it was just her and uh, Gannon, and they were. Um, I don't know. At some point, she snapped. Mm -hmm. Now I say snap, not in the, in, the, in the sense that she was insane, but she had been building up, and you'll see in her Google searches. Um, to this resentment towards this young child, mm -hmm. this innocent child, 
um, that she's having to care for him on her own while her husband is off away um, serving whatever time with the National Guard and probably in her mind, always probably uh, uh, hanging around all these other women and I'm mm-hmm. over here raising his son and then she's, you know, talking stuff about uh, the biological mom and, you know, biological mom doesn't want to do this and so therefore I'm taking her job and uh, it's, it's, what do you even say? What do you even say? But she ultimately concluded that, um, <clears throat> well, she justified what she did for sure. She tried to cover it up. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, her thought processes led her to um, stabbing him 18 times, crushing his skull with something, and shooting him three times with a handgun. An 11 year old. It's like so much hate. Wanting to make sure that he was not alive. Like, If you ever wondered if there was genuine evil in the world, mm-hmm. I, might ex- I might submit this case as Exhibit A. Mm-hmm. I know there's worse cases huh. like this. Mm-hmm. I know that. But as the siren goes on by, um, I'm often reminded that in this profession, it wears on you. And it wears mm-hmm. on you in a way, not that the work is difficult. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, we get used to it. And, um, you know, speaking in front of judges and juries and stuff. And it's what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. It's not all that difficult. Honestly, it's not. I'll tell you what weighs on your soul and what what fatigues you as a lawyer is that you're dealing constantly Mm -hmm. with the worst of humanity. Mm -hmm. With people at their worst. They're, They're arguing about their money. They're arguing about their uh, their wayward ex. They're arguing about the children. They're arguing about, you know, whatever this or that, justice and whatever their definition mm-hmm. of justice is. And for this lady who was psychotic by any standard but definitely knew the difference between right yeah. and wrong but was nuts by the moral compass of the general public. Mm-hmm. Whatever her thought process was, it led her to the murder of this 11-year-old boy. And then she tried to cover it up and say that I was raped. And then he ran away. And then it was all this other stuff. Um, If you ask me if real evil exists in the world, uh, yeah, it it 100% does. Mm -hmm. However you define evil, if it's murdering an 11-year-old boy for no reason whatsoever for no benefit to you whatsoever, then yeah, it exists. I was going to mention that, that I don't think she's insane at the level required for her to be, to get out of this case pretty much, but she definitely had some mental issues and she was not really stable. Oh, we haven't she even touched the surface. will not have passed <clears throat> one of those custody evaluations to be like the good parent. <laughs> like, oh, well, <laughs> not at all. It's that's like, a different issue. Yes, that is a different issue. It's wow. Let's talk about uh, in this arrest affidavit. They go into the last viable communication mm-hmm. that young Gannon would have had with his father. Mm-hmm. So um, they talk about uh, Leticia's whereabouts. Mm-hmm. They're unknown between approximately eleven twenty-two. And uh, 1.22 p.m. But at 1.22 p.m., uh, Leticia was again captured on video surveillance 
making a second purchase at the same Petco on North Nevada Avenue, Mr. Stouch sends a text message to Gannon's cell phone at or about 12.06 hours that read, hey, buddy, and this message was not answered until about 1.21 p.m., about an hour and some minutes later. Uh, the response was, can I play Zelda at least? And Mr. Stouch said, not today. A significant event occurred at Gannon's phone um, on, at about 1.43, which is prior to arriving back at the Stouch residence. There was an internet search for, can any parent find my cell phone if it's off? I submit that this internet search was likely conducted by Leticia on Gannon's phone and not Gannon himself based upon the content of the search, the way the search terms were phrased, and the presence of apostrophes in the between phone and it. This is very similar to uh, the way Leticia conducted searches on her phone. It's questionable whether or not that was actually a Gannon who mm -hmm. replied, can I play Zelda? But that was his game of choice on his mm -hmm. Nintendo Switch. Um, he's communicating, somebody's communicating with dad. Um, at about 3.55, Mr. Stouch sends another message to Gannon's phone. Hey, buddy. Uh, this message was not raised until uh, 7.40 p.m. that night. It is likely that Gannon was already murdered by Leticia at the time that Mr. Stouch sent the message. Um, there's 32 pages to this criminal affidavit. Obviously, I'm not going to get through mm. the whole thing. Um, we've already been going for 50 minutes as it is. Oh. But... <clears throat> The question of whether or not there's enough evidence to uh, convict her of murder is not in question. The question yeah. is whether or not she knew right from wrong. And based on what I'm about to play for you next, she kind of sealed the deal on mm -hmm. all of that. She's talking about immunity. She's talking about, um, she's plotting, you know, schemes about, you know, different versions of why Gannon is missing. Um, you know what? I'm not really doing it justice. I think we should just listen to the video. Um... And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, I, I apologize in advance for the video quality. I have nothing to do about mm -hmm. that. They're literally filming this off of a 1990s webcam, the way that it seems. So the, the video is blurry, but the sound should be on point, which is the only point. Um, oh, I'm going to play a video before I get into the conversations mm -hmm. between um, dad and stepmom. This was uh, mom's statement. The biological mom. Okay. Uh, she gives a statement to the press, and this is this was it. Really, I'm not in the correct mindset to be even standing up here, but if I had to say one thing, that when he said Gannon is no longer with us, I'd have to say Gannon is with us. After the stories of people from all over the world, he's not only my hero now, he's the world's hero. So I think the community, the positive support, from a state that I've never visited other than two or three times. I'm astounded by the amount of love that's not come from me. It's came from my boy. And never thought I'd be standing here. It was a nightmare. I've had to put trust in the people I don't know. Today, I got the worst news and the best news. Obviously, we know what the worst news is, but the best news is, is that justice will be served. And I'll make sure that justice is served because my boy did not deserve any of this that has happened to him. 
So I urge media one more time just to hold off on questions until we know that this person, the stepmom that I even trusted, that she will pay 100% for this heinous thing she done. And I know that that's going to be due, will be done. So I ask you guys, I beg and plead with you, if you've known, if you see this story, all of you have seen this story, please hold that very close to you. Because I want to live this earth knowing that justice was served for my boy. And I know that you've seen pictures. You've seen stories. You've seen my little man. He is truly my hero. And I'm gladly giving that to you guys too, that he can be your hero. I've heard stories of people that have not prayed in years that have finally fell on their knees to pray. And I know where my son's at, without a shadow of a doubt. So many families have been brought closer together because of this. I know my boy is special, and I've told my people and my family <clears throat> and friends that Gannon has a testimony, that Gannon has a story. He's special. And this is his story. So make that story magnificent who my child is and I'm putting my trust into you guys to do that so so that is Gannon's biological mother and imagine the kind of pain that she is feeling right now I mean if you can imagine um what a nightmare I mentioned about her text messages. Mm-hmm. I did want to go over some of those. So this is what she was uh, searching um, around the days that she murdered Gannon, mm-hmm. right? So this is what they recovered. She didn't delete any of this stuff. There's a whole deleted section that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But she was searching for um, find real military singles. That was on January 25th. Uh, parenting should be four people, not one. I'm doing... All the work for my stepkids and their mom doesn't help. That's literally a Google search. Mom advice from stepmom. If you aren't involved in your kid's life, you are shitty. This is her Google search. Uh, My husband's ex-wife does nothing for her kids. I wonder if my husband's ex-wife is sending me a card since I raise her kids. I wonder if my ex-wife is sending me a Valentine's card since I raise her kids. Could you imagine... What kind of Google search is that? Like, she oh. might, must be searching for, like, memes to post on social media. Memes or maybe, like, Reddit conversations of people in similar situations to kind of, like, I guess, validate her position. That's 100% <laughs> what she's trying to do. Um, carrying on, uh, one day some people will wish they treated you differently. Oh, she's 100% into the stupid Instagram means mm-hmm. um, why would my husband choose me over family she misspelled over spelled it over with a B mm. she uh, searches find me a rich guy who wants me to take care of his kids find a guy who wants me to take care of his kids and get paid it's crappy some parents don't care for their kids or buy them presents parents are those who put their kids before their nails that's a weird search. Um, Just doing their nails. On January 27th, the day that she murders again in around midnight, um, my son burned the carpet. How do I fix it? Will humidifier help if exposed to smoke? 
Smoke effects will humidifier help. Smoke from fire effects will humidifier help. Um, on January 27th, 1255, Colorado law for kids staying at home. School is out. Is it okay for my kid to stay at home? Uh, son is sick, but I have to go to work. Son is sick. Can I? Can he stay home? Uh, suede repair left for sofa. That's at 4.40 a.m. 6.54 that morning. Uh, the El Paso Sheriff's Office number. Oh, that's at 6.54 p.m. That would have been after the, meteor, mm-hmm. the murder. So before she searched for memes, carpet repair, can I leave my mm-hmm. kid home? And now she's into the cover-up. Um, when is, what is the process for a runaway child? Police steps for our runaway. Police steps for our missing child. So today's flight, OKC to COS. Can Nintendo find my Switch? They had talked about how she was searching for in her Nintendo Switch if there was mm-hmm. a tracking device because she mm-hmm. wanted to get rid of it, I guess. Um, they determined there was not a tracking device, but she was looking Okay. They never recovered the Nintendo Switch. Um, she deleted a number of searches. Mm-hmm. This is some of the stuff that she deleted. Uh, find me a new husband book. I feel like I am just a nanny, not a stepmom. Husband uses me to babysit his kids. Are there any free money to move away from bad situations? My husband never posts about me, but does everything else. My husband only dreams up for the army, cleans up for the army, not me. I'm just a glorified babysitter. Find a new husband. Sent my husband sexual messages and he ignores them. Make my husband want me more. I feel like my husband uses me to babysit his kid. Find a guy without kids. Those are deleted searches off of her phone. Police were able to recover. So what could you... Well, first impressions, Ileana, what do you think about, <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, she definitely had an opinion of what was her role, I guess, in that family. I mean, I don't know the details about the guy, but she seems to feel like she's neglected by the husband. And neglected, she, underappreciated. Yes, and that she's taken on all of all of the responsibility of raising this child and the actual parents are not taking care, either the father or the bio mom. But, um, I mean, <laughs> those are some crazy, weird searches. Well, she was, uh, <laughs> Jesus, she was clearly not happy with whatever oh, yeah. was going on. Mm-hmm. Not a reason to, of course, kill the stepson, but. Yeah, that's beside the point. I think that we should get into finally, um, the, um, the phone calls, mm-hmm. the phone calls between mom and uh, the husband. Stepmom? Stepmom, okay. yes. So this first one. So so the guy. All right, so this is a pretextual call mm-hmm. where husband is on the phone. It's being monitored, obviously mm-hmm. being recorded. Yeah. Um, he's trying to get her to admit that she killed her son mm. or his son. And uh, this is this is what they came up with. Was in the house, and you thought Gannon was hiding, so they he hadn't taken Gannon yet at that point. No. Okay. All right. Well, that's huge. That's huge because now we can look at different camera time frames and all that, and we can look at different angles. 
Okay, that's huge that he was still in the house. And so that would have been police got there. What? Like, I'm not. Uh, no, I know. I'm trying to sort through this again. I'm trying to get you to this point to where, you know. I think I think they give it to you because this is big that he was there and they missed it. Because then they're going to want to keep, they're going to want to cover their shit for not finding him. I can't hear you. What? You did what? You did what? Oh, you, you said you, you said what? What did you do? I tried to, like, point to the cops and, like, hey, check this area. Hey, check this area. I was even trying to show up any other area. I thought that I didn't know if Gator was with him. I didn't know if Gator was by nobody. I didn't know about boy. Okay. But, but then, but then you figured out, how'd you figure out he wasn't by himself? I'm not selling anything else to Oregon immunity. Well, you, I mean, well... I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to put all this together. You said you, you, you pointed them in the direction, but wh where in the storage room were you? I said I was just giving all the big areas of the house. I want you to tell me why you panicked. Why? Why did you panic when, when the accident happened? When Gannon did whatever he did, I mean, he, he made a mistake. Whatever happened, why did you panic? After after Gannon was hurt, after he, after he hurt himself, after he had an accident, after he banged his head or something, why did you panic? Yeah. No, after he was panicking. What are you talking about? Okay. So, wait, well, you know what? So back to this Palmer, I, I'm all over the place here. No, I'm trying to make it out to be, where's my son, okay? If you were if you were in Palmer Lake and then Douglas County and whatever you did all these turns and turned around and this guy was out there laying in the road and he got in a truck, why do they have your GPS in your car? You were in my truck. You I said, phone. No, but I thought you told me yesterday you left your phone at Petco because you had to go back to get it. Oh, that That's was Gannon's phone. Gannon's phone was left at Petco. You told me, yes, Tisha, I'm not stupid now. Okay, listen, you know I'm better than that. You told me yesterday, you said it almost verbatim, almost quoting you now. You said, I set my phone on the counter, okay, because I had these two or three doggy sweaters or whatever, okay, and then. No, you told me yesterday it was your phone, and then you said it and you forgot it because you kept going and looking at him to make sure he wasn't getting out the truck. Now, now it's you. Tisha, but you've, how is it all true when you've told me seven different versions of the same thing? It can't all be true. He can't be a Mexican named Uncle Matt, lived it, uh, but he wasn't there until he got in the See how you keep doing? No, what I keep doing is not being stupid and letting you get me with bullshit, okay? I need the truth. Really? Yeah, really. 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 How do you know where he's at yeah. if you don't know Quincy Brown? If you're not involved, if you don't know what's going on. Not involved. You just fucking told on yourself. 
You just told on yourself. You know where Gannon's at, and you're fucking lying. I don't know where Gannon's at. You just said he's in Colorado Springs. Quincy Brown lives in Colorado Springs, apparently. Now you're fucking twisting the words again, Tisha. Okay, where's Gannon? I don't have Gannon. You can curse me out, call me whatever you want, fuck all the bitches you want, do whatever you want, because I don't care about you. Good. I don't want you to. You got my son, and you know where he's at, and I need to find my son. You obviously don't care about my son, but you're going to do all the things you did in that fucking candle video. That was bullshit. That's the same shit you tried to do to me, and you did it to my son. That was horrible. You should go to jail just for that shit, Tisha. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's fucking abuse, and you know it. Had that little boy... No, you had him crying when all he thought he had made was an accident. And you had him thinking he was going to have to sell his Switch and his toys on the fucking video you put out there. I didn't see that. You put it out there. That's your fucking abuse. You didn't think he was going to sell his Switch? Yeah, that's, or what, well, that was where it was going. The couch or the, we got to sell this or that. I heard your words. And I, and I heard you make him cry, too. Where's my son? Crying. Where's my son? Where is he, Tisha? Why are you pausing? You don't, you don't worry that. It don't matter. I do care. I told you where I think he's at. You told me he wasn't there. You said they're barking up the wrong tree. And then you said he is in Colorado Springs. You said that. Not me. Not the police. Not nobody else. You said it. That's why you said they're barking up the wrong tree, because you know where he's at. And you need to tell me. I wish I did. You're a fucking liar. Tell me where he's at. I wish I did so that I bring him to you and say to you how you really were a supportive husband. Well, that's kind of the main highlights. I mean, it, it was there was a lot more to that phone call, and they, they start out. Um, I mean, at first she's all indignant because how dare you say that I <laughs> killed your son and, you know, all this stuff, and then it comes... Uh, Full circle of, well, I don't care about you. You can go be mm-hmm. with all the women you want to be with and just devolve into that. But the composure that that guy showed, and that was him kind of losing it because mm-hmm. prior to that, he was like being her friend and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was just he had a lot different, a lot different tone um, than what he displayed. But matter of fact, I had mentioned at the start about the... Um, So this is, all right, I, d- I didn't want to play this part. This mm-hmm. is a him questioning her just flat, hey, did you kill my son? Mm-hmm. You know, just enough of the bullshit. Did you kill my son? And this is him. Okay. I would, you told me to be straight. You on the phone, and I'm trying to sit here and tell my own husband every little detail, everything. This I don't want my family. All right, Tisha, listen. Uh, like I said the whole time, I'm just trying... Trying to help you and trying to keep you and Harley safe from all... I mean, these people are after me now. I don't know who the hell it is, but I, like I said, I had to go get my clothes changed and everything just so I could blend in better. And I want you to know that no matter what, no matter no matter what, we can work through this together and I can help you, okay? But you just got to let me help you. But I have a very... You told me to be straight up. I got a very straight up question, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. Did you kill Gannon? I need to know. I need you to answer me yes or no right now. I killed Gannon. The answer is no. I can't believe you asked me this. 
I just got to know you. I told me to be straight up. I got to know what's happening to my son. I you mean, why you would think I killed Gannon? There's a there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, you I, I, being straight up again, you changed your story again to me for the fourth time. No, I changed my story. You did. This is the fourth version of the same story. Okay. Wow. I, like half of what you told me today, cut foot, and now he's got burned arms and picking it, and his butt's bleeding. All this stuff is is new to what you told me the other day. And the other day, you told me that you cleaned up the area where you got raped so nobody would see it. But now you told me you just changed clothes. I just don't know what the hell's going on. I didn't tell you. First off, you never even listened to me about anything that went. I on. did. I no. You stopped because I listened to you. I listened to you, and then I went and got the guns and put them in the truck, and then I came back and list me and Landon listened to you, and then I stopped and picked your story apart. So get it straight, Tisha. I listened to you, and I said if I'm wrong about the rape, I will get on my knees and beg you for forgiveness. Did I not say that? Yeah, but you haven't. Exactly, because I haven't been proven wrong yet. I want the truth. If I'm wrong, if the, if, if the, the police, no matter what they're doing, the FBI, the CBI, the CBS, whoever, okay, if they tell me I'm wrong, I will publicly, in front of the world, get on a camera and tell you I'm sorry. But until that happens, we're going to find the truth. How can you tell me that someone didn't come? I don't understand. How can you tell me that someone didn't do something to hurt me and take in? I'm, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you... It hasn't been proven one way or the other. You said you banged your head on the freaking table. I, now I got to tell them to go check out the table and see if there's any blood or, or any of your... You knew that. They had already asked that. Okay, but that's the first I heard of it. You see what you see what I'm saying? You never would talk to me. You literally just sat here in a conversation and asked me, did I kill our child? Yes, I did. Because I, I because if you say no, then I can't. I, I'll stop thinking that you did it. Okay. I don't know what to think. My the, my son's blood. You're telling me his blood's all over the walls, and now you're telling they telling me uh, the Mexican guy that had the gun to your head or whatever took him away, and he knows him, and he could be anywhere. Hold on, gun. So so, where did you get that piece from? That was what. So now you got me twisting all your stories up. All right. So to carry on like that for some minutes. But a couple of observations. Number one, her voice. Mm -hmm. Her voice is very grating on the ear. Yes. <laughs> How that man stayed married to her for that long, if that was her general disposition. Good for him, you know. Uh, but uh, my, my second observation is when a narcissist is confronted with something like that, mm -hmm. their default, their general default is to go on the offense yes. um, and paint themselves as the victim mm -hmm. and to raise holy hell about it the way that she was going and carrying on, exactly. and which is exactly what she did. Mm -hmm. And so um, he didn't say anything in those recordings to indicate mm -hmm. to me that he knew anything other than what we knew, mm -hmm. which is what we heard on that video on the opening statement. Mm -hmm. um, he's making mention of that. And then he starts referencing her stories. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, maybe she was some crazy lady that was screaming and screeching at him all the time like mm -hmm. that. But does that amount to abuse that would raise a red flag to uh, suggest anything other than she was like a, a very dramatic Karen-ish type of lady that would uh, kind of go overboard sometimes and, you know, mm -hmm. raise her voice? I don't know. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you think about the, that those, uh, those tapes, those recordings? 
No, like you said, definitely she does have that uh, a narcissist type of a, I guess, personality where mm-hmm. she twists this stuff around and all of a sudden she's the victim and how can you do this to me and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. It, I would need to hear her like on a regular, I guess. Her baseline? Well, her yeah. baseline, she actually did an interview with a, with a television station um, where she's talking about like, you know, when... When Gannon is found, I want an apology from everybody. She was very much the <laughs> same, the same tenor. But everything yes. was about you guys are going to be apologizing to me when Gannon is found, mm-hmm. and you know everything is okay. And I'm, I'm gonna, I'll take my apologies in writing. Thank you very much. She's very much that way. She wouldn't show her face. It was weird. It was this bizarre interview where her back was towards the camera, and they were uh, interviewing her. But her voice is not much different. Okay. But gosh, man, when she gets angry. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you describe that? How, how do you describe her personality in this scenario where she has knowledge that Gannon was found? How could you describe her as anything other than the literal definition of a cunt? Yeah, no. I mean, I think this is more proof to show that, I mean, she knew what she was doing. Yeah. She, it, I mean, you're trying to hide it. You're trying to, in the previous video, She's conversation. She's cooked, right? Yeah, and she doesn't want to give out the information. She keeps changing. She keeps Becoming the victim all of a sudden, she knew that she was in trouble. and She knew that she was in trouble. She knew that she had to avoid people mm-hmm. finding out what she did. Mm-hmm. And um, she never once in all of her stories indicated that I thought I was killing a demon. No, mm-hmm. she was raped, remember? And then Gannon ran away. And then it was all these other things. It was these wild switching of the tenors of her story uh, throughout the entire interrogation. And there were no, like, indications, you know, when sometimes you're talking to somebody and although they can have these, like, episodes where they know where they are, they all of a sudden, you can tell, like, oh, like, they just left. And, I mean, there's something that's going on in their mind. That never happened in those conversations the entire time, although she's making all these crazy stories about the Mexican guy and, like, all the different versions of what could have happened. (coughs) There's no instance where you're like, oh, like... Maybe, I don't know, she's psychotic or something like that. She's just straight up evil and crazy. All right. So now getting back to my my initial original question, mm-hmm. which is now you got you to gotta represent her in trial. She's your client. Get up there and do your best. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. She's giving it the old call us try. Okay. Now my last, I, I did want to talk a little bit about his, her attorney. Yeah. Because that's this poor guy, man. See, that, that probably will, will be me if you put me in that position because I'm like, um, I'll tell you what, this, uh, he gave a 45 minute, open. we're going to listen to a little <laughs> bit of it here because we're running out of time, but. Um, you you would have been able to see through me that I don't want to do this case. Oh, everybody saw through this <laughs> yeah. guy. It's like, hey, look, I'm sorry. <laughs> what you guys saw was like the PG version of what yeah. I actually saw is a little worse than you, mm-hmm. than what, than what you think. Um, yes, my client did it. And yes, it's a horrible case, but she's got rights. And so I'm her attorney. She's entitled to counsel and I'm here. And she was insane. Just hear out all the facts. There's nothing redeeming of her in that opening statement. People have heard, I've heard it suggested I've been doing law for 58 years and Mm -hmm. that is the worst opening statement. Maybe it is, but Mm -hmm. what would you have done different, sir? You're going to focus on how she doesn't know the difference between right and wrong because in the tapes that are coming out, literally in this gentleman's opening statement, it's pretty obvious that she knew the difference between right and wrong. But um, it's a nightmare scenario for a trial attorney to have to defend somebody like that. But let's just get a taste. 
because it, it carries on one tone for mm-hmm. 45 minutes. There's not much deviation in the entire thing. I did listen to the entire mm-hmm. thing as I was writing my brief. I was, I was bored out of my mind because there's a lot of repeating <laughs> itself. It was a lot of the constitution. It was a lot of here are the facts out mm-hmm. and don't try this in the media. This is a horrible case. That's pretty much the same mm-hmm. four points. He kept repeating over and over, but let's listen to a couple minutes of it. This is him. Good afternoon, members of the jury. I talked to some of you during jury selection over the last couple of weeks. To some of you, I want to reintroduce myself. My name is Will Cook. I, along with Mr. Killini, represent Letitia Stouch. Now, this is a very tough case. We looked at the jury questionnaires, prosecution. There was a lot of strong feelings, questionnaires. Have you formed an opinion about Miss Douch? Got a lot of she's guilty. Got a few she's evil. People forming opinions about this case before they ever hear one shred of evidence. Is a defense attorney in this case is very worrisome. When people have come in and they have preconceived notions of what's going on. With respect to the question on the paperwork that you got about insanity, what do you think about insanity? Is it valid? Something that's legitimate. A lot of people said insanity is just a way to get out of taking responsibility. It's an excuse. Doesn't exist. It's fake. Got a lot of that. So I, as the defense attorney, have two big problems in the case. I represent Ms. Stout, who according to a lot of jury questionnaires is evil and guilty. And us raising insanity is a bunch of BS, a lot to deal with. I've been looking at this case for going on three years now. All the photos, I've seen all the reports Mr. Tolini has, and it's a lot. What you saw on the board this afternoon That's the PG stuff, the rated G information, photos you're going to see. For a general audience, go forward in this case, you're going to see the autopsy photos. You're going to see the photos of when Gannon was brought out of the suitcase. And they're horrible. Horrible. So to cut it short, he carries on for another 43 minutes like that, exactly like that. That same um, cadence of speech, uh, those same points. This is a horrible crime. 
the pauses are were driving me crazy. Like, yeah, well, he doesn't know what to say. I feel like it seems yeah. like he's being held hostage. Yeah. And he's being forced to give a uh, an opening statement mm-hmm. and defend this lady. Clearly, he's giving off the impression that he doesn't want to be there. I don't mm-hmm. want to be there. I don't no. want to defend that lady, <laughs> you know. But this is his job, and, you know, yeah. she's got rights. And so he carries on with um, that same uh, speech. Yeah. a public defender or private? He seems like a public defender. There's no way he's private. I doubt that the lady could afford a, a, a private. Okay. Um, I haven't confirmed that he's a public, but he mm-hmm. sounds a lot like a public defender mm-hmm. would sound, mm-hmm. um, which is they stuck this case on my desk. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Nobody else is doing it. I got to do it. Mm-hmm. So screw it. Mm-hmm. I guess we're doing a trial. Yes. <laughs> no. Um, I remember at the DA, they would oftentimes do that to me. Like, uh, I would, um, hey, here's a motion to suppress. You're going to be in, uh, in front of the judge in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, get acclimated. Let's go. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, those are cases of, well, obviously, they try mm-hmm. to suppress evidence, Your Honor. Yeah. And, and um, you know, or they did not try to suppress. Oftentimes in defense, you know, they're, they're always thrown with these motions to suppress evidence. And, you know, well, they didn't follow the constitutional rights because he had no right to search. And mm-hmm. they're always, they're usually bullshit motions. They're so confident that they're not going to get suppressed that they give them to non-attorney law students, <laughs> interns uh, to argue the points. Um, which is how I got my first exposure to uh, arguing stuff in front of the judge. Mm-hmm. So um, how would I defend uh, Letitia Stouch? Um, well, I wouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> First of all, you're not a public defender. Nope. And if she will, she were to consult with you, you probably would have said no. Not taking no, this case. I'm not taking that case. Yeah. I'm not taking that case. There's, there's there's no way. There's no amount of... She couldn't afford the price that I would charge mm, exactly. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, just morally, I'm not sure I could just... Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not doing it. Mm-hmm. Unless she just wanted me to plead her down from the death penalty to uh, just life without parole. Exactly. I might take it on those grounds, you know. And do the Clarence Darrow thing. Um, but I'm not going to defend her and say she's not guilty by reason of insanity. The hell with that. I'm just not playing that game. And based on her personality, she probably thinks that she can get away with oh, it. Oh, imagine her as a client. <laughs> <laughs> imagine her on the phone. Imagine her in your office. There's no effing way that I'm representing Letitia Stouch under any circumstance. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not for the murder of this 11-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, I mean, what if this guy just came into it with the best of intentions? Because when you're on these defense criminal cases, you, you don't get all the evidence at once. I mean, yeah. it's, it's piecemeal sometimes. And and so the autopsy stuff, the evidence of the suitcase, the uh, the, the uh, pre-context phone calls, he likely did not get that in initial discovery. He got mm-hmm. that as he went. He said he's been dealing with this case for three years. Mm-hmm. And so it's all coming out as it goes. And that guy, that that is the sound and the cadence of speech of an attorney that doesn't know what to say, mm-hmm. that doesn't have any redeeming qualities of his case, mm-hmm. that knows he's going to lose, and he's just there because he's collecting a salary, mm-hmm. and his boss told him to. Exactly. And so um, I feel for the guy. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it was the worst opening statement. What are you going to do better? You know, how would I present that better? And my, if my answer is I wouldn't, then I don't have a right <laughs> to say that he should have done this or that. 
What do you say? Because you could say that she didn't know the difference between right and wrong, but what well, we just uh, heard videos of, she kind of did know yeah, the difference. She did. Um, I mean, you can't really say that she didn't commit the crime because she admitted to committing the crime. You know, she's guilty by reason of insanity. Um, you can't say that she's a good person because we don't have any evidence of that. We only hear her being a, a cunt to her husband and, mm -hmm. and demanding immunity mm -hmm. for information as to what happened to uh, young Gannon. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing redeeming that you could fall back on. Um, to rest your laurels on in this case. It's a completely shot proposition. There's nothing you're going to be able to do to save her from her fate. Um, I would be more inclined uh, to make a motion to modify the rules of the death penalty to allow for medieval torture methods uh, from the 16th century. I think that that would be the motion that I would bring, and that would be my only appearance in the case. And when they laugh me out of court, I would mm -hmm. be glad to be gone out of that entire thing. I want nothing to do with a case like that. If I'm prosecuting it, fine. I would normally talk about the the prosecutor's lack of charisma in a case mm -hmm. like this because he really did not have any charisma. He yeah. had the charisma of a flea. Um, but you know what? He doesn't need to do much. You I know, mean, he's got a plenty. With the facts, he's got plenty. He's got enough with the facts. And that's something that I was going to say that maybe, maybe the uh, what he could have done better, although this defense attorney knows that he's going to lose and it's not a case that he wants, you can still, if you can, put a, a show, pretty much. I mean, you know what you're going <laughs> to lose, but at least you're not going to look that bad, I guess. I could tell you what. <laughs> I could get up there and I'll put on a show yeah. and I'll make a jackass of myself and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll give the big Perry Mason presentation, mm -hmm. you know, forgive and, and for all it's worth. But my... Uh, my uh, repulsion... Mm -hmm. Exactly. ...of her would be off the charts and mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to hide it. I just exactly. wouldn't. I've represented people like that before in court mm -hmm. and I just, you know what? You're going to take a plea because I'm not taking this to trial. Yes. You're going to get yourself another attorney because what do you want me to do? You literally admitted that you did this mm -hmm. in a phone call that the jury is going to hear. So what do you think that I'm going to do for you? Mm -hmm. You think I'm going to convince them to say that, oh, he was lying because he has, he was a couple of 24 packs in. Get out of here with that. You did this. You gave this young girl HIV. Yeah. And you know what? I'm out on this case. If you get, if you get 25 years, then good for you. You're lucky because you should be spending the rest, the rest of your life in prison. Mm -hmm. That was literally the facts. It was a guy that had sexually molested his stepdaughter and gave her an STD. That's crazy. And um, he was saying that, you know, there's people in here that have done a lot worse than me. And it's like, I, I don't know how you could do a different. <laughs> I know. You're kind of in that category, sir. <laughs> yes. It might be different facts, but it's the same category as in the worst of the worst cases yeah. I've ever seen. And you know what? You deserve what you get. I'm not really going to defend you much. There's not. You confessed. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do? What do you want from me? You want a public defender? Get yourself a public defender. This is when I was an associate, when I was not choosing my own cases. Mm -hmm. I was forced to, but my integrity as an attorney, I'm exactly. not going to go over and try to pull one over the jury on a case like that. Exactly. I'm not going to try to impugn my um, good character with mm -hmm. the courts and defend somebody like mm -hmm. that and suggest that he's not guilty when very clearly he is. Yes, yeah. The only time that I'll ever bring a criminal case to trial is if I genuinely believe in the innocence mm -hmm. of my client. And if I don't exactly. believe that, then you got to get a different attorney because I, I don't believe that I should be the guy in your case. I believe that people are entitled to somebody that's willing to defend somebody to defend the level of what you did. Mm -hmm. And if what you did was murder an 11-year-old boy, then find somebody willing to defend you. I posit that mm -hmm. I don't think that it was, if this guy had a choice, I don't think oh. he would be defending her. No, no. There's nothing in his opening statement that led me no. to believe that he would be defending a person such as that. 
And so with that, I give him a full on pass as to whatever yeah. that was for an opening statement. Was it good? Was it effective? No. No. Could I have done better? Probably not. I would just not have. Mm-hmm. I would not have. I would think I would have declined giving an opening. <laughs> it's optional. I don't That's have to thing, give yeah. an opening statement. Your Honor, I'm declining in this mm-hmm. case. Um, I don't know what to say. What do you want me to say? She's a she. She's a cunt. You know, she she did it. And, you know, I, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. You know, mm-hmm. there might have been the one time where I used that defense. And so, with that, ladies and gentlemen, um, this was episode 33 of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, and um, we welcome back Eliana Clone Rosa again with us, and as uh, she uh, opined with me on this case about her opinions. Um, Hopefully, she'll be back next week, but she is a busy working attorney, same as me, and it's very difficult sometimes Mm -hmm. to prepare for these cases. And so, um, but we always appreciate when she's here. I feel like it's always a better show when she's here and able to participate um, but for what it's worth, uh, we love you all. Um, I know we've been going for a long time. If you've been, if you've been listening to us this entire time, I truly, truly, truly thank you, um, for listening to this show. And, uh, we're glad to be part of your family as you are part of our family. If you have comment, comments, suggestions, show requests, please leave them in the comments down below or feel free to DM me on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll have links up here at the end of the show. Um, Other than that, we love you all. Uh, Keep your doors locked. Keep your family safe. Um, Go back to the people that you love and give them a big hug because it is a big, crazy world out there, and you never know what's going to happen on any given day. There's a lot of bad things in this crazy world. Just stay safe and take advantage of every opportunity you have to love on your family. Other than that, we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast. We really do appreciate that. And as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Tilted Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care. Bye-bye.